it, it, it's all going to be a count on the economy and inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, in Chicago, we don't have too much of a problem because we're in a upper end area. Mm-hmm. But in the lower end areas, are going to take a big hit because the guy isn't going to want to spend that $30, $35 a week to bowl, you know, get in pots and have a couple of drinks and all that stuff. And I think those are the ones that are going to get hurt pretty hard. And the seniors also, because they're, they're basically on a set income. Yeah. Awesome. So really appreciate you coming on today, Bob. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. You got a, a lot of experience in the industry. So for people who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Sure. My name is Robert Kuhn, and I'm the owner of Timberlanes in Chicago. It's a small eight-lane bowling center. I started in the industry when I was 16 years old. I am presently 67 years old. I purchased Timberlanes when I was 29 years old in 1985. Timberlanes was founded in 1945. It was a small bar that they converted to a bowling alley. We are we are just a bowling alley with a full service bar, and we do not have timber does exceptionally well. We're in Chicago. In 1967, there was 68 bowling alleys in the city of Chicago. Chicago has 50 wards. Of those wards, that leaves about one and a quarter bowling alley per ward. Presently, 2023, we have 10 bowling alleys in the city of Chicago. Of probably what, maybe seven of them are real bowling alleys and not party places. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine within a mile radius of this building, we have over 100,000 people. I, in 2009, I purchased Arlington Lanes in Arlington Heights, which is about five miles north of Arlington Park Racetrack. It's a 40-lane center that we had acquired over a failure. It was a foreclosure. The bank hired me to the bank hired me to proceed the operations until they could get the SBA cleared, which it took them about two years. But it was a phenomenal deal for me. I just ran the center, and I didn't have to pay any rent or have to pay any property taxes problem of the big bowling alley was it's a 42,000 square foot building and an industrial park but at one point in time the taxes there 40 lanes 11 pool tables two bars kitchen that can serve banquet style food or the 40 lanes of it and the problem was the taxes went up to $185,000 a year just pretty tax so I had to put away $15,000 a month just to pay the taxes. Yeah. I'm a big, big believer in fully funded businesses because you can get through the, the peaks and valleys. In the bowling business, the slower time is usually in the summer. So in 2019, I literally won the lottery. I was able to sell Arlington Lanes nine months before the pandemic. Yeah. So I did exceptionally well. I did exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't have to have it during the pandemic. I right. still continue to own Timberlane, which I enjoy. The only problem is, is presently I'm 67 years old and you can only climb in and out of those machines just so much. Right. And the problem is, is when you own a small eight lane center, literally you got to do everything. Of course. So, but our, what, what people don't understand about our industry is that we're in the recreation industry. We don't have a, we don't have a necessity product. We have a love, love, luxury product. So we in turn have to 
create great experiences for people to want to come back. Ours is a little bit differently because we have so many people in our area and in our area, which are the, we are about a mile northwest of Wrigley Field, we're in a high affluential area. The average, within a half a block, a block of this building, there is 15 plus million dollar homes that sit on a piece of property that's about 30 by 124. Yeah. But it's always good to find out what the economic engine is to your area. In our case, it's the L. We have, we have the L that goes directly downtown and that's the economic engine. We, we, the bowling alley sits on a piece of property that is 80 by 124 and the land alone is worth $3 million. Right. So, you know, in 1945 and 1953, they purchased the building and the land and four apartments to the tune of about $2,500. Hmm. So 1953, it was very, very reasonable. Yeah. Today it's not. So, <laughs> right. But here again, our taxes presently here just went from $40,000 to $50,000 for that 80 by 124 right. piece of property. You know? but. In our industry, the two, two of the major problems is most of the the owners don't know how to get out of debt. You know, right. they should always yeah, tell me about that. that. And then at that point in time, life becomes so much easier. Or in the case of a pandemic, Timberlane's building, what people don't realize is, is totally paid for. It costs me between ten and $15,000 a month just to have that building sit there. And a lot of other guys, if they didn't use their loans, really were in a, a real sad, sad situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, we saw a lot of them who didn't make it. Yeah, yeah. We, we were shut down for 11 months. And one of, the, one of the problems with the city of Chicago is we didn't serve food. If we served food, we could have partially stayed open, right. but there's many centers that stretch the envelope out of survival, you know, and we couldn't do that. But when the pandemic started, I thought it was the smartest guy in the world. I took $165,000 and invested it into the building, the, the machines, put new coolers, new carpet in. And then about nine months later, I thought I was the dumbest guy in the world. <laughs> sure. I didn't spend that 163000 but in, right. the, in, the, in the whole scheme of things, it worked out very, very well for us. Oh, yeah. You know, the, mm -hmm. our hardest part is dealing with the city, you know, the city of Chicago. They're not sure. very grateful to businesses, and when all else fails, they crush us, you know, yeah. initiate new taxes, do things, whatever, you know, it, it, it's a mean game, you know, and it's hard, you know, you would wish they would want to encourage this, but it didn't yeah. happen. You know, a lot of people, the, the first thing they ask us is, did you get any PPP money? But PPP money doesn't really help the owner of the business. He's still got to pay the light bill, the electric bill, the insurance bill, right. the taxes with no assist from anybody. And, and if you don't have, getting back into the beginning of the podcast where I told you, fully funded businesses, so you can get through that, that ups and downs, you know, mm -hmm. so, but I, I enjoy the game. I don't always like where the game is, is heading because I don't think it's going to be, it's going to hurt. You know, you get companies like Belmar who bought AMF and Brunswick and all that stuff. 
And they, they think it's easy to hire the guy who ran the Kreskis down the street to become a bowling alley owner. And the bowlers look at the guy and say, hey, man, we need more oil in the lanes. And the guy says, what? What are you talking about? Right, right. We really, we really need people within our industry to bowl that are running these centers. They get a little better feel for what everybody needs. You know, right. we know, mm-hmm. me and my staff know that if we're having a group coming in, we know what we're supposed to do beforehand, you know, and it's all about consistency. A guy, a guy goes to work, gets beat up. He goes home, he gets beat up by his wife and his kids. He don't want to go to the bowling alley and get beat up. Right, you know, right. He wants to have things consistent and, you know, have, a, have an experience, a joyful experience. Mm-hmm. which we try to do. And I, uh, one of the biggest problems is that as the owners of the bowling alley get older, they don't want to bowl. And it, it's very difficult to ask somebody, hey, do you want to bowl in the league? And they say, do you bowl in the league? And nine times out of 10, they don't. Right. Or I do. Yeah. I, I yeah. bowl probably six, seven times a week. Wow. Right. Yeah. So you're right. Eat, eating the dog food, as they call it, eating your own dog but, food. Yeah. But at any point in time, I know what's going on out there. I know if a machine's having a problem. Yeah. I know if a league's having a problem. Right. You know, and that's what helps us. Now, I wouldn't expect every league to bowl in that many leagues, every owner to bowl in that many sure. leagues. Yeah. But they have to make an effort, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the whole thing, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I was hoping, you know, and I'm not a big fan of USBC. I feel there's not no consistency. And I feel they, 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 they want to get out of the rewards business. But the lower level bowlers want that rewards because they're not going to get anything else. And I truly right. didn't, didn't think it was very fair for them to take, okay, if you've had a 300 or an 800 within the last 10 years, you don't get another ring, mm. which is very, so why right. should somebody want the sanction? You know, I mean, sense. The, the problem is, is USBC was in Milwaukee, a very, very pro bowling town. And then... They thought they were smart and they were going to sell the land for all this money and then build a center down in Texas. And I don't think it's worked out too well funny. You know, the problem is, is they went down, they were going to go to either to to Texas or they were going to go to Florida because they had no state income tax. You can't make your business decisions based on the older members of your group. And the problem is, is USBC is too old. You know, we need younger people to be involved. You know, my biggest fear with USBC is that they're going to sanction these string machines. And I think that's going to, and in my opinion, that's going to really hurt us, you know. And it's two different animals. And if you want to make a special sanctioning body for tournaments and stuff like that, for mm-hmm. both, it's not going to work. Or if, if they would separate them and and have two totally different, let's call it divisions of sanctioning, yeah. one regular machine, one machine, they they would probably, it would probably be a little bit easier in fairness to the handicap system for those tournaments. Right. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm curious to see what they do. You know, I think that they're, I think it's going to get something in the near future just because there's a lot of steam behind it, but whether or not they separate out or, or make it its own league, I'd, I'd be curious to see. I'm not sure. Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny how, you know, and I'm not also not a big fan of the two-handed or the one-handed bowler, the two-handed bowler, you know, and, and I feel that, you know, they're saying, some people are saying it's, it's the future of the game, 
and always my reaction to that comment is that I feel that to be a two-handed bowler, you have to have strength and you have to have power. And as you get older, you can't throw the ball as fast. Mm. You yeah. can't be as accurate. And there's, yeah. there's not a lot of forgiveness. So it's going to be fun when, when these guys that are, are decent two-handed bowlers see what yeah. happens when they get older. Because right. they're going to be able to throw. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I'd like to go back a little bit to, you know, what you were talking about at the beginning about how many centers there used to be and how many there are now, and maybe some of those contributing factors of how you've been able to stay in business so long. What are some of the things you think have helped you succeed in, in you know, having such a long reign in, in Chicago? Well, you know, all these guys that, that we were all friends, and they were telling me, yeah, I'm going to sell them sell the center, I'm going to get a million dollars, I'm going to get $2 million or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I keep telling them, you got to have a job. Why would right. you want to give up your job when you've got your competition shrinking and shrinking and shrinking? The yeah. problem in the city of Chicago, why we lost those centers, is the value of the land. So an owner, owner could be sitting on a two or a three. In one case, one guy's land was worth almost $10 million. I so see. in his case, yeah. it was very wise that, right. that he sold it because I he had see. a choice. Either yeah. $2 million into it or take the $10 million out. And it was, it was far better. He didn't want, you know, as you become older, there are certain things like, you know, people say, why don't we put a kitchen in, in timber? And I always tell them, if we put a, a kitchen in timber, the first day that I had to cook, two people would be dead. Right. And there's, there's, there's no way at this point in time yeah. I would ever get my money back as an investment if I put, you know, seventy five to $100,000 and put it into a kitchen in our basement. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So you're saying a a lot of what it comes down to is just the the catching out, you know, the temptation to take that check just gets so great that few, you know, fewer and fewer people are willing to say, no, I want to keep this. Yeah. It's a, you know, I, I, I do bowling. I constantly make my business decisions based as a bowler, not based as a business guy. Mm -hmm. So if I can always keep the bowlers happy, my bowlers aren't gonna are gonna stay. We have some people that have been bowling in our center for 20, 30 years. Yeah. You know, right. and right. the problem is is they have relationships. You know, bowling is a an exceptional communications. Get out of the house one day a week. You can go and visit your friends, you can have a few beers, you can enjoy yourself. And you know what? That's sometimes hard to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. hard by, you know. Yeah. It's all about. You know, having fun, yelling and screaming at each other. And, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, we, we, have, we have, we're probably now running in an eight-lane center. We're probably running 16 leagues through our center a week. Wow. So that, two a day. that's yeah. more than two a day. And within the, within the next month, it's going to be 17 or 18. We, had, we, have, we have had every league come back um, prior to the pandemic. We did not lose any leagues. Hmm. You know, yeah, tell, tell me then a little bit about your process for getting as many leagues as you have and, you know, how you can fill them up. Well, w- what, what we do is, is you always have to have that mix of open bowl to leagues, mm-hmm. open bowl to leagues. And the reason being is, is if you don't get the open bowl, it's hard to generate or fill or establish leagues, sure. you know, and then you have to be creative, you know, one of our one of our leagues we run we call it the after football league, and what we do is they we have two afternoons two afternoon leagues on Sunday 
they bowl every other week, and we have a nighttime league that they switch off the week. But we don't have anything between four and seven, but we put a, an eight-team league in there, which has been running for 10 years. But in this, in this year, we have them start the week before Super Bowl, miss Super Bowl, and then after they carry all the way through to the middle of May. Mm, so okay. get them the bowl 12 or 13 weeks. And it's, it's a, you know, we, if, if I had 16 lanes, I could fill 16 teams because okay. there's such a, you know, you take a situation and you feel how you can apply to your business. You know, we have some people that just bowl in the summer, you know, they don't want to bowl every other week or they don't want to bowl 35 weeks, but they love that summer league that they can bowl. We, in the summertime, we have five leagues. We have, um, and we always keep five on a team to keep the most people in the building. On the summer, yeah. we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we run on every other Sunday. And you know, the last couple of years, they've all been just totally filled. So, mm. you know, and we we go to we we go to five on our team, you know, so that the, they're in the building for three hours, three and a half hours, mm-hmm. you know, and that gives us more exposure to the bar. You know, what are what are some of the things that you do to get all the signups? Do you just go lane to lane and ask them, or do you what do you what do you do to get people signed up? And then we had our beer company make us up a couple signs, which they made it. We have one for the winter. We have one for the summer. We have one, one for the fall. But these big banners that we put up inside, inside the bowling alley, mm-hmm. and it creates interest. You know, people go, oh, yeah, maybe I, you know. And then we can run through. And what people don't realize is bowling is a sport where everybody helps everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you and I are bowling against each other and you're not that good, and we're bowling on opposite teams, I'm not afraid to help you. Mm-hmm. Because if I help you and make you a better bowler, then you're going to want to bowl more. And yeah. that's always our intent to make a bowl more. We have a, a video training thing that we have in our center. And it's on, it's on one lane now. And we're, we're, we have the equipment to put it in. But we've just been so busy, but I haven't been able to. But it's a phenomenal self-teaching training thing. And I mean, it's... It's really worked real well. And people pay extra for it. They were out of Wisconsin. Okay. And now I think he's down in Austin, Austin Texas. And it's just uh, a training company for, uh, for your, your bowling. No, it's a, they have a system that tracks the ball, tells us the speed, uh, okay. shows it on, on, on it. We have a, a TV screen behind it, shows yeah. where the ball goes. We'll take the last four or five, show the guy how he's consistent. Hmm. But as they get older, right? Tend to. That sounds really nice. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen them at the Expo or one of these. Places. Yes, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I can't, I can't remember, but I'll send it to you. And right. and, and mm-hmm. really, it's really really good. It it's not cheap. You know, mm-hmm. I think the first version was two thousand dollars for two lanes, and then we okay. upgraded, and that was thirty thirty two hundred for one lane. And now this last version, to which we put on on lane two, the second lane. 3600 you're thinking that it converts a lot of you know not as serious bowlers into leaguers is what you're saying right right and the the people get the return at it and they can they can see themselves you know Mm -hmm. what i always tell people you know they're just learning learning how to bowl i go i go you go home you have a full-length mirror at home nobody has to be around sure you do your approach in front of that mirror and you see how consistent your shoulders are straight this is really, you come through the ball, your speed is good. And it really, really helps. Because as I tell people, if you can fortify 
your approach with muscle memory. You know, do it 10 times a day and then do it the next day, 10 times a day. Nobody has to be around. It could be in a closet, wherever. But your body will become used to that motion and it'll be yeah. more flow. Yeah. Every sport has a flow. You know, yeah, right. baseball, football, basketball, bowling yeah. too. You know, it's all about eye-hand coordinations. And most good bowlers are good golfers. Most mm -hmm. good golfers are good bowlers. Eye-hand yeah. coordination. How you address the ball, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I have noticed that connection between the two because it's that repetitive motion, and yep, it's just one you're trying to be under a hundred and one you're trying to be over. Yes, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I always tell people, I says all I want you to do is bowl your weight. Well, for some yeah. people, it's easy, <laughs> impossible. But most most big guys are pretty pretty decent. Yeah, they, yeah, probably they have a lot of power. They're usually good dancers too, because mm. they have that flow. Yeah, coordination. Mm. You know the on the wet side of it. You know when a woman would tend to bowl the best mm. when they're pregnant because really? they slow down. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, slow down, more flow, consistent. They're always a little apprehensive. Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's crazy how that works. But yeah, there's a common. Yeah, who, I, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. So tell me a, a little bit, Bob, about what where you're seeing things going, I guess. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, you know, what's working today for you with the, with the leagues. Where do you see things going over the next, you know, one year, 18 months for, you know, the, the bowling industry? Well, I, I think it, it, it's all going to be account on the economy and inflation. Mm -hmm. You know, in Chicago, we don't have too much of a problem because we're in a upper end area mm -hmm. but in the lower end areas are going to take a big hit because the guy isn't going to want to spend that 30 35 dollars a week to bowl you know get in pots and have a couple of drinks and all that stuff and i think those are the ones that are going to get hurt pretty hard and the seniors also because they're they're basically on a set income yeah and i think that's what's going to hurt i'm really nervous about because mechanics are very very difficult to find yeah in the olden days in the 60s and 70s and 80s the machine manufacturers amf and brunswick had their own maintenance service which mm -hmm. is really convenient because we don't care what we pay to maintain the equipment we just want it to be maintained you know this is the the manufacturer's solution was making the string machines because you don't need a mechanic they're right. supposed to be so easy to fix Correct. But now, now it's become harder and harder and harder, you know, and, and that's, that's what's going to lead to kids today. Uh, they want to be car mechanics. They don't want to be bowling alley mechanics. Right. Yeah. Even, even harder, though, harder and harder to find. Yeah, even though, you know, I have an eight lane center. I pay a full mechanic, a, a full-time mechanic, $60,000 a year. Mm. Long as you do the job. Yeah. You know, and they're just hard to find. And, you know, you, you go through all these things and, you know, you can send a guy to school, but how long is he going to last? Right. You know? It's a big investment. Money, money is, in, in our case, and most of the center's cases, money isn't the problem. Mm -hmm. It's to want to have a guy and want the guy to keep and stay. You know? Right. That's the hardest part. You know, what incentive do you use to keep him to stay? You mm -hmm. know, I, I, like I said, I've been doing this for 50 one years and I've been fortunate to own, own, own my center for 37 years now. So, I mean, that's been 
always the goal at the beginning was, and then when the opportunity came apart, you know, I just never walked away. I had a big corporate job before I worked or, you know, in my, before I bought my first center when I was 29, but I had a big corporate job and I had the wrong boss and I felt I was smarter than him. And within a couple of years, I surely was. Mm -hmm. I owned my own business. I was very, very successful. You know, I, I did a lot of things, but here again, I made the decisions based on, you know, mm-hmm. if you make your decisions based on the business guy, that doesn't always prevail. You know, we have to find solutions all the time. And, you know, some of these are easy and others are hard, but we just have to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know we like the volume. You know, <clears> I mean, we our total gross sales is over $100,000 a lane. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how you make judgments. It was interesting. I owned the Bowling Alley and Alley Tonight's. I owned that for 10 years and it really gave me a very big perspective between the small center and the large center. You know, a large center had so many employees where I didn't have to work on the, as I call it, on the floor that much. In a small center, you got to do everything. You got to change the house in the bathroom. You know, you got to make sure the cleanup guy comes. You got, you know, all these things, you know, I mean, you don't really have other managers. We've got some real, real exceptional employees. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. As I always this is going to be the best part-time job you ever had in your life. And none <laughs> of them want to go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but, but you have to enjoy the sport. You know, I mean, you really have to, you know, and what happens to us a lot of times, we get these kids that are in turn going to school or whatever and they learn to bowl from 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 there and you know they they like to have a nice part-time job or whatever there's a lot of things that we do we one of the things that where we get real creative about our center is that we get a movie or commercial every year we've had as of saturday we'll we'll have had five music videos shot in our building or the for the backdrop for their music videos oh that's cool yeah you know we get commercials we get movies and the and the good part about it is you know we most of the time make eighteen hundred dollars a day they commit at six o'clock in the morning they're done by three thirty. it doesn't affect their night and business right you know you you take that two thousand dollars in the pot and it really makes a big difference because there's really no cost to it mm-hmm. you know and they shoot you you just find different ways we have our ATM machine, but our ATM machine is on the outside of the bit of our building because mm-hmm. we have 2,500 people walk in front of our building every day. Yeah, right. Our ATM machine goes through a tremendous amount of money. I don't own it. Somebody else I owns see. it. I'm doing bowling. I'm not good, but the bowling alley that we had in Arlington Heights didn't have any outdoor exposure. So we had the ATM machine inside the building and I owned it. So yeah. here, and you, you make, you look at what can get you the most money and then you work from there. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of advertising on the outside of our building that we get paid on a monthly and an annual basis. And mm-hmm. it just yeah. adds into the pot, you know? Right. I mean, figure out a way to make your business stronger and stronger and stronger, you know, mm-hmm. and that really helps. Additional revenue, revenue streams, product lines. Yes. I mean, some of the people have the <clears throat> advertising, the, the, the rakes and stuff like that, but I don't, I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of that. You know, mm-hmm. I want the bullets to enjoy the sport 
and I don't think one, I don't want to have anything to contradict that or mm -hmm. to destroy that. Sure. You know, you know, like hockey, they have all over the boards. You you will watch a cub game and there ain't two three seconds that go by that there's not some air. Right. Don't be greedy. If you get greedy, then you're gonna delete your product and you don't right. want to do that. And, uh, and not only delete your product, but your brand too, your your people's perception yeah. of your business. Well, but uh, I would have probably kept the. What's that? No, I said I probably would have kept the center in Arlington, which here again after I I bought it at the share sale, and I was three I was three years away after nine ten years of having it totally paid for, and but the problem was it wasn't the note on the outstanding loans that I borrowed from other buildings to pay for it because the share sale you have to pay one hundred percent for it. Right. It wasn't that, it was the taxes, you know, yeah, the taxes. I don't know if down. you ever seen a guy in the room be happy. Yep. I didn't know if you ever seen a guy in the room that was all excited because his property taxes were 125,000 a year, <laughs> 25 to 125. But that was me. But yeah. the problem is it just kept inching up and inching up. I think when I left, it was somewhere around 160,000 a year. Yeah. It's know? a big, and yeah, that's a big gut uh, to overcome every uh, single year. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're always against you. You know, you got to fight for them every year. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Bob, is just the number one piece of advice you would offer to a proprietor, either a new proprietor, someone who's maybe at a crossroads or has a, a big decision to make. What would be your advice to, to that person who, you know, wants to succeed in, in the bowling industry? Be involved with your business. Bowl. Promote the sport. Because mm. nobody promotes the, promotes the sport more than an owner that bowls at his own center. Yeah. He can find out what's going on. He's going to learn. It doesn't, it, it, it's not filtered to the customer, the employee, and yourself. You can actually see what's going on. Mm. And what I always do is at least once every two or three weeks, I walk inside and outside the total area of my center. Mm -hmm. look, at the, look at the building, look at this. I'm looking for things that at some point in time I'm going to have to do, but I would rather make myself aware of that situation than get a call saying the roof collapsed, then getting calls of the roof's leaking. You know, and you, you become, you, you have to become an accurate, an, an active owner, mm -hmm. you know. And, and the problem is, is, you know, in the bigger centers now, you know, you're talking about, well, I think the, in the last days when, the, one of the last couple of centers that Brunswick was building, it was it was running them ten million dollars to put up with land a forty land center. Yeah, with the new build, I can see it. So, so in those new centers, it's not so bad, but in the old centers, you get a lot of bad spots. Sure, you have potential problems. I, I was fortunate that the the bowling alley Arlington Heights that I had purchased, I had worked at it when I was a kid. So I didn't have to, didn't even have to figure out what the layout of the building was. I already knew. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that what helps. And, you know, almost any, any center I worked at, uh, in my younger days, I was able to learn a lot about the nicks and crannies. The bathrooms are the key. Mm -hmm. You know, you keep a clean yeah. bathroom. Yeah, it's a reflection of your center, gonna, truly. And if Actually, you're going to rebuild um, your bathrooms. I got a, a story from the old uh, VP of operations for Brunswick when they had, you know, 110 centers. He said that when they yep. did their customer surveys, 
the cleanliness of the bathroom was weighted higher above all the other questions. And that was the number one question that was most important. Absolutely. And you build them as if it's a fortress, right? So you, you build them as if it's a fortress. Mm -hmm. You put burr rock and three quarter inch plywood all in that bathroom. So when somebody gets mad, they ain't gonna hurt <laughs> Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Can't do that and yeah. you know, like even inside timber, we have a, a little cove where we have the drain pipes for the roof. Uh -huh. And the whole cove, before the paneling, we have three-quarter inch plywood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you so can't damage it. Right. Good luck. They're going to hurt themselves. Right. But, yeah. And then I don't have to fix it. Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to fix his hand at the doctor. Awesome. Well, I, I want to respect your time. Do you, I do you I like really it? Yeah. Sorry, say that again? Yeah. I said, do you... Uh, do you really enjoy being a partnership in, in the center that you're with? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like it. I like not just the, the sport factor, but the making memories factor, especially for like uh, families. You know, people go there and that's their, their family entertainment and they go there with friends. And yep. that's kind of what you're really providing people is, is an experience in, in memories. So I, I really yeah. get a kick out of that. One, one of the best things that we do is we do a lot of wedding rehearsal parties. Mm, yeah. Kids, my have, sister had one yeah, at, our, at the center down the street here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same we, thing. We get these kids that come in, and we have four universities right by Timber. We have Columbia, DePaul, Loyola, and Northwestern. And we get a lot of these kids in here because we're kind of a safe, safe haven. Mm. And they, in turn, they meet somebody mm. who come into the center. Sure. And then engaged. And then when they get married, you know, they come in and they rent the center out. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, cool. it's a real good thing, you know, and, and the nice part about it is, is that, you know, you go to a wedding, let's say a wedding rehearsal party and you turn around and you don't like somebody, you don't have to stand by them. Right. You go to a yeah. restaurant and structured seating. Yeah. So, so yeah. as I say, you can, you can do the 20 foot rule. You right. can sit 20 feet away from that person mm. and nobody you know, you know, right. and, and from going to a restaurant, you know, I mean, and then if you have kids, you know, the kids don't want to leave, you know, four hours mm -hmm. later, we're prying the kids out of there so of we course, can get the yeah. next shift in. Right. Yeah, oh, once, you, once you set your schedules to go back to back to back to back, especially on weekends, mm -hmm. it, it works out phenomenal. There's some, some weekends when we walk in the door at two o'clock or we're, we have a small league in the morning on Friday. But after that league on Friday, small league on Friday, there's some weekends from Friday all the way until Sunday night at 10 o'clock, we have no land available. Yeah. And right. you set your schedule to put people in those sequences, you totally usage in your business. Right. You yeah. No, no, it's smart. It sounds like you've really, uh, you know, know how to run a center. It sounds like you guys are, are crushing it this year. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I could talk to you about this all day long, but I want to be respectful of your time so we can uh, wrap it up. If, if anyone ever wants to reach out to, you know, ask you about, you know, advice or, you know, how to, how to run a center or, you know, your experience, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can call me on the phone. Okay. You just call in the center. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Call in the center. They can call my cell phone. You got my cell phone. Yeah. The only, just the only thing is, just don't call me before eleven. Wake me. <laughs> Fair but yeah. I've helped. I've helped quite a, quite a few guys in Illinois. Yeah. A family that center that had, don't know nothing about it. And the first thing I did is I made them bowl in the league. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, now get your feet. Consistent. Back. Right. Yeah. Consistent advice. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on, Bob. This has been a pleasure. Absolutely. Look forward to maybe connecting again. And again, appreciate you taking some time. Absolutely. My pleasure. I get just as much out of it as you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Have a good day. You too.